Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Hey, hey, friends, welcome. We have an incredible panel discussion today, and I've got Dr. P.J. Dunn, our Southwest Discipleship Consultant with our Georgia Baptist Discipleship team with us. Now, he's doing a little double duty, P.J.'s. Uh, producing this and speaking on at the same time. It doesn't get much better than that, PJ. Appreciate you jumping on with us. And also, Dr. Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway Christian Resources. Ben is native of Tampico, Illinois, which is home of Ronald Reagan, I hear. Ben, is that the truth? That is the truth. The birthplace, by the way. The birthplace, birthplace. Yeah. Man, that's so incredible. Well, Ben's former pastor, church planner, husband of Lindley, father, of four and uh, took over president of Lifeway in June of 2019. So what is time to, or actually 2018, I think. Um, so what is time to get in, been in there a year, uh, pandemic hits. And so just a, an incredible opportunity for him, but also for the Lifeway team. Now, let me make just a reminder here for all of you that are watching, engaging with us, listening. We've got a stack of resources that we want to give away to you. So make sure that you leave a comment in the chats, if you will, and you'll be entered into a drawing at the end of the broadcast. So um, if you feel like this discussion is beneficial as well, please make sure to share that because we want to maximize gospel impact also. All right. So Ben, welcome, friend. Glad you are with us. Man, it's good to hang out with a bunch of Georgia pastors. That's right. That's right. Well, and it really cool is we got about 2,400 members, and most of them are Georgia uh, natives, but we got people actually all over the world. I get emails awesome. and messages from guys in England and uh, Zimbabwe, I mean, all over wow. the world that are actually engaging with us right now. Um, so here's my thought, man. You are in a really a fairly new role. Yeah. It's taken over about two years ago, and <clears throat> so much has happened in that two years of your life you know, professionally, uh, personally. So my thought is just this first question is how has your family handled that transition? I mean, you got four kids. You're not just a, a single guy or just a, you know, a young married guy who jumped in and can spend all the time doing whatever he wants to help shape and shift an organization. You got serious family dynamics going <laughs> on as well. Yeah. Season of life issues are real in the ministry for sure. I'm a busy dad. I have a 16 year old daughter, I got a 15-year-old son that spent all day Saturday in driver's education, and then I've got two middle school boys coming up into the high school ranks, and 
uh, man, it's a really fun time to be a dad and I want to be fully present in their lives. I haven't done a great job of that, obviously, uh, through the entire pandemic, but I think everybody's kind of saying the same thing that with all of the negatives that have come with pandemic, and we could talk about lots of those, it definitely has brought our family closer. We've spent a lot more time together. We've spent more time outdoors. So the kids have transitioned to Nashville really well. Lindley and I, you know, going from 17 years of pastoral ministry to more, more of a presidential post, that's taken us a little while to get used to it, but we're really beginning to embrace that. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, we did as well. We were found out that we've got six waterfalls within an hour of our house. Yeah. So pandemic, we were taking days and, you know, hitting all of the cool spots. Well, look, what's been, you know, cause it's just really cool. You know what I, you and I were talking about this. I mean, you're the president of Lifeway Christian Resource. That's just really cool, big responsibility, big opportunity, but that comes with some really good things and some, yeah. some challenges. So what's been the best part of transitioning to this role and maybe the most challenging part of that? You know, someone asked me recently, what advice would you give to a, a young pastor going into his first pastorate or, or a pastor that's kind of going to a new church uh, since I've made a couple of transitions? And I always go back to James chapter four, where it says, come on, you who go to say you're going to go to this city and conduct business and make a profit. Why? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. And it's really true for all of us, Scott, whether we're transitioning to a church or a new ministry position or to like with me with Lifeway. You know, we think we know what we're going to do. We have no idea what we're going to do. God changes the plan on a regular basis. The only thing that stays the same is that it's always changing. Yeah. And so I, I think one of the things our family has learned along the way, my wife and I are still learning, is that, you know, one of the great secrets of life is being adaptable and being flexible mm -hmm. and being willing to accept whatever difficult assignments come your way. You know, I was thankful that I did get six months in the saddle at Lifeway to just immerse myself in relationship building, you know, pre-masks where I could have coffee with people all day long. I'm a hopeless extrovert. So it was really fun to at least just have a little bit of a honeymoon period in terms of like hanging out with people, getting to know who the leaders were. But then when COVID hit, all the stuff that was on the someday maybe list of we've got to clean up these messes like every other organization, we just said, hey, we've got to do it all now. We can't afford to just slowly and incrementally change. We've got to make rapid changes. And that's painful. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to let go of, you know, 10% of our workforce, which doesn't sound like a lot, but Lifeway is a huge company. And, you know, that, that freed up $24 million worth of uh, budget money with just all the different cuts and things we had to make. And it was hard. I mean, I'm talking about tears and uh, you know, there was one Zoom call where I got on with the organization after we had made a pretty significant reduction in force and just I cried and just said, I'm so sorry. We never saw this coming, never anticipated this kind of upheaval. But this is where we are. We've got to make these changes for the future of Lifeway. And so overall, people have been very understanding. I've actually been shocked, even with how gracious people have been when they lost their jobs. Uh, you know, how grateful they were for the years they did get to serve at Lifeway. And they understood that like every other organization, we had to make changes. And I'm thankful that because of COVID, Lifeway is in the healthiest place it's been in a while. And we are moving forward with steam again. Churches are beginning to reopen. And I know we'll get into that more, but there's a lot of hope and optimism in the air with our team here in Nashville. And really good, Ben. And I, I guess one of the things that I have appreciated about you is I've, I've always 
said that I, I think there's no greater responsibility that a leader has than to give a laser target focus of, of the purpose of why we exist. And I have appreciated about that about you when you came to Lifeway. You have zeroed in on resources and uh, branding and everything else. PJ? Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking how normal the president of Lifeway is. And, and I think I appreciate that so much about you, uh, Ben, because, um, you know, not everybody uh, wants to be transparent and share those things and take time to get to know our Georgia Baptist pastors. Uh, but you've stepped out and, and really made the time to invest in our relationships. Like we've gotten to know each other over the past year. And, and, uh, and, and I don't take that for granted. And so I know that in the midst of having a, a huge family and working all those dynamics, you still made time to get to know our family and invest in what's important to us. So thank you for that. And um, man, it's, it's pretty cool what y'all are doing at, at Lifeway. Okay, share. Um, this is totally just spur of the moment. Coolest thing at Lifeway that's happening this week. Go. Um, so we have reinstated team gatherings and I can't tell you how important these are. I mean, if you work at Lifeway and you're an editor or, you know, you're a graphic designer or you work in finance or, or, you know, marketing, it doesn't take long before your job starts to feel like just a job. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's the stuff that we get to celebrate spiritually that really makes our work worth it makes it fun. So when we can get together and celebrate stories of how lives are being changed through resources being offered or how we see the Holy Spirit at work. And I do a little bit of preaching, uh, which helps me stay, you know, I feel like in the word and anchored in scripture. Uh, But every other week, we're back to being able to uh, get together as a team. And so I can't tell you how exciting that has been a huge return. And Nashville has been slow to open up. So our, where our headquarter building is located downtown, especially, it's been slow to open up. Uh, so that's that's exciting. You know, I think the thing that I'm most excited about, though, is just when I talk to pastors right now, especially since Easter, it seems like we've really turned the corner. And there is a sense that the church is beginning to gain steam again. And the, the health of Lifeway really is dependent upon the health of local churches. Mm. And so as they gain strength, we gain strength. Uh, so we're seeing we're seeing a huge uptick in interest in v- vacation Bible school stuff because churches are wanting to do a VBS even if it's outside. We're seeing uh, our, our camps right now are ninety percent full in registration. Parents are looking for meaningful activities for their kids this summer besides video games and hanging out at the house. I know we are. Uh, so it's just it feels a little bit like you remember in college when you were like it's at the end of the summer and you're really ready to get back and see your friends at school again. <laughs> It feels that way. Like we're about to go back to school and uh, people are excited about it. They are excited. And, and I'm, and I'm going to hone in a little bit there. So, you know, Lifeway has spent a lot of um, time and resources on updating branding, which looks phenomenal. The millennial in me jumps every time. Now I go to your website and I'm like, praise the Lord. The UI is there. If, If you haven't gone to the website, um, man, it's just a, a completely different relational experience uh, with with questions, you know, as you go through it. You, you uh, you've spoke about customer service a few times and how that's really heavy on your heart. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, what's on the horizon for for yeah. uh, like, like this is intensely practical for any pastor or church leader listening. But we did some research on what younger people consider as key factors in making a purchase. And seven out of 10 millennials said that design is the most important element in what they buy. 
and that has that has ramifications for the church. Um, uh, young people care about aesthetics a lot. So the way something feels and the way they experience it, the way the environment has been cared for in a church, the church sign, the parking lot, the, the way the door opens, like you may not think that that stuff's important, but for somebody that's 30 and under, they, they pay a lot of attention to that level of detail to surroundings and design. So knowing that the younger generation is aesthetically uh, interested I, I think Lifeway had to take a look at everything from the front door, the website, the logo, everything that we is outward facing and ask the question, does, do young people jive with this? I, I put some of our stuff in front of my kids. And of course, <laughs> you know, before we did any new branding, they had a lot of things to say about uh, some updates we needed to make. Uh, but it's a good idea to get a group of young people, uh, particularly people under 25 and say, hey, what, what do you think about the way this room feels? Yeah. What, what do you think about the way that this this coffee area looks? Uh, that stuff matters more than we realize. And so we were delighted to have uh, a year to kind of like rethink the way that people experience the brand. And so we've been trying to do that. We're, we're nowhere near done. We've only launched the beginning of the new branding, but we're now layer by layer going through and kind of rebranding everything, giving it a new look, new vibe, new curb appeal. And so people, we've been awesomely encouraged by how... Uh, our customers have responded well in assessment tools right there's some assessment tools that are on there and different different things that can help you pick the next curriculum or what is it that you need in discipleship and you know in, interesting statistics you know y'all are um amazing lifeway research does a great job of getting a sampling and just getting some information out there and so here's two very different statistics so um uh, two-thirds of churchgoers agree that they can walk with God without other believers. Yeah. But two thirds of pastors feel satisfied with the state of discipleship. And that's actually increased over the last 10 years that they feel more satisfied that discipleship is happening. I know you feel that at Lifeway. So, so what are you doing to help bridge the, the vast gap between those two statistics? Yeah. And man, you guys, my time with you all in Georgia was so helpful for me in this area. You guys are doing, I mean, you really are on the cutting edge in the front lines of churches talking about discipleship. But, you know, I think one thing the pandemic has taught us is that online discipleship has serious drawbacks. You know, we, you can create resources and throw them online and it's certainly helpful but there is nothing like life on life, iron sharpening iron, eyeball to eyeball connection. Mm. Uh, you know, and I've, we as a family, we tried to do the church online thing, but man, as soon as we could go in person, it was like night and day difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll give you another stat. According to Lifeway Research, 91% of churchgoers say they plan to attend in-person services as frequently as they did prior to the, the pandemic. So 91% of people that we polled said, I'm planning to go back to church as soon as it's safe to do it. Uh, so I just don't think we were built for relationship. God created us for connection and discipleship can't happen in a vacuum. It's not just as simple as reading a resource. It's, it's processing that resource out loud with other people and getting into that interaction and dialogue where you really begin to see traction with discipleship. Jesus didn't just hand us 12 disciples, a bunch of scrolls and say, come back in 40 days, <laughs> you know, like, he, he really did teach as he went along in life. And that's the way we got to do it in the local church. And I know you guys are spending a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, really good. So in Georgia, you know, we are seeing that comeback. We're seeing the, the big Mo build 
in our, our churches and feeling more comfortable like you were talking about. Now, Scott McConnell wrote, your, your executive director for LifeWay Research, wrote an article about the successful church restart. Yeah. And a lot of dialogue that around that with, with that article, but also every organization is talking about that because we all hope we're on the backside of the pandemic uh, headed into post-pandemic. So do you have any stories uh, or, or uh, updates from yeah. what's happening in churches or maybe stats in that realm? Well, and I, I, let me just speak from my own church planter experience, because a lot of what Scott wrote in that article is that churches got to get back to a church planting mentality. So this is how it worked for us in Denver. We, you know, we were in a setup and tear down environment for four years. And, you know, after about two years, we began to see a lot of momentum. We had solid Sunday services. Stuff started to feel kind of safe. We had a core that was building. And I noticed one day that we, we stopped talking about doing block parties. You know, early on doing block parties was like, man, we just, we were just going to do one every month, whether we want to do it or not. We were getting candy machines out and jump houses and we're going to find a way to connect with the community because we felt desperate to reach people. But something happens with churches once they have momentum that they actually, they stop doing the things that they started with at the first, which is really being outreach focused. And I think what Scott is saying in the article is really true is that because there is a healthy sense of fear now around every church of like, how do we get momentum back? It's going to challenge church leaders to say, how do we get back out in the community? How do we get outreach focus? How do we serve? How do we get outside the house? And so I think what Scott was challenging every pastor to do is to think about, okay, how do we get back to the basics of just making the gospel tangible in the community and not just feeding our core every Sunday? You know, the church gathers so it can scatter. So that scattering piece is so important. And we've lost sight of that. Yeah. Are you guys seeing that to be true? Do you guys feel like your pastors or your church leaders are looking more and more to the, you know, how do we get back engaged with the community and get relevant again? It is. And I'll tell you this, two things that have stood out to me here of late. One is the churches that are reengaging with their community. Because we, you know, this is a different animal. If you're within an hour and a half of, say, Atlanta. Um, a lot of people are driving, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to go to church. Well, uh, something that, that has begun to develop is a lack of community focus because there's, I talked to uh, one of our guys last week and said he's got 17 schools represented in his church. Well, um, I, I see that, that return to the community and the churches that are re-engaging with the community where the church is in their ministry area are the ones that are having the biggest impact and more people are coming. I'll tell you a really crazy thing, Ben. I don't know if you're seeing any of this or maybe even where you are in Southwest um, of the state. I'm seeing churches that are really engaged with the community, doing things with hospitals, blessing the, the police corps, all those getting outside the church. There are people that go to other churches that are giving money to those churches that are supporting wow. those ministries. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure that I have ever seen that dynamic develop. Like, I, and I'm talking about multiple. I'm not talking about I can hear one or two stories. This is like every month I'm getting new and new stories where people are giving money over and above their tithe to do those kind of things. Are y'all seeing that kind of dynamic? Absolutely. And not, not only are people giving to the local church, which is encouraging, like a lot of churches are having a pretty good year during the, the pandemic. I know that's not true of all, but there's been a lot of great stories of God's faithfulness, but also churches are just getting smarter about the way they're spending the money that is coming in. Yeah. 
you know, Lifeway, it's, there's no secret is we're selling our headquarter building. Like we, we just don't need a big giant headquarter building where everybody has their own office. Like that has proven to be true. Now we need a space where we can meet up and team up and have great meetings and, you know, rub shoulders and drink coffee and connect. But I think the church is now spending less on internal stuff so that it can spend more on external stuff. Really put the money, put the money towards the ministry. Uh, and I think the pandemic is going to teach all of us that we can get by on a lot less. That's the church planner mentality. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we're seeing churches do less with staffing as well. So yep. when they're going to rehire, they're thinking, do I need to rehire two or three positions? Do I need to hire that one I thought I had to have? You know, traditional uh, church model is like, man, if I could just have a full-time student pastor, you know, it's all going to get better. Now, full-time student pastors are great. Nobody get offended. Somebody's going to write something in the comments right now. Don't, don't take offense to it. But, you know, when you have, when you have um, so much resources to go around, you have to figure out how to, to, to multiply those. And we have seen churches of all sizes in Southwest do that. Um, and, I'll, and I want to go back to one example that you were just talking about. Uh, we see down here. So when the pandemic hit, you know, we all... Um, hid in our houses there for a couple of weeks. And then we tried to figure out, do we let her ride? I mean, we can't knock on doors. We went through all these emotions. Um, but the church within 30 to 60 days said, how do I reach out? How do we go out and do it? Well, then that wave passed and we did Easter and then we did summer. And then we had another wave where we all kind of had to close. A lot of us closed again. Well, now I'm seeing post-Easter churches going, remember that thing we did last year that worked? Remember that block party? That we did that worked why are we doing that again we should do that why don't we call through the role and contact everybody again that, that wasn't a one-time good idea that was a great idea so let's make sure that we resource our time and volunteers to be able to do those things that are successful and i think i think i mean a significant number of churches are connecting those dots on their own which is so encouraging to see so scott Absolutely. have you have you had any examples like that too Yes, man. One of my favorite sayings has always been, we start out as fishers of men, but become keepers of the aquarium. And if, if there's anything we've learned through the pandemic is that we can't afford to be keepers of the aquarium. We, we've got to get out and meet people, reach people, connect with people, and not assume that they are just excited to come to whatever program we got rolling at the church. We also need to stop measuring the success of an event by how many Christians show up. Uh, you know, how are our events reaching people? How many people are inviting a friend? Uh, that's that really is the church planting mentality that every seasoned church now has to get back into. Of how do we get out and reach people with, for the, uh, you know, for the message of Christ? Hashtag uh, VBS. So, is that, a, that? Was that a VBS plug? Hashtag VBS. <laughs> VBS. OK, I'll just say <laughs> it is still. <laughs> The best way to reach your community is have a killer VBS. And I'm not saying that just like to sell Lifeway stuff. Like when we were at church planning in Denver, by far the most effective thing we did was have an awesome kids camp. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, the kids, and, and, and here's, here's even better. After the kids camp is over, put the kids up on the stage and have them sing. Even if they're terrible singers, because they're going to bring their uncles, they're going to bring their aunts, they're going to bring their grandparents. And those people haven't been to church in a long time. And when they so, sing, they you remember them being this old. No matter right. how old they are, no matter how many teeth are missing, they look like this when they're singing on stage, right? That's right. Just put them all up on stage, start playing a song, and it, it, the, the worse they are, the better, actually. <laughs> and then we just enjoy all these guests that showed up. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Man, it, you know, look, I, I am an optimist, and, and there's so much written. Life's falling apart church will never be this. I do agree the church may never be the same, 
but there's been a lot of negative jargon with where we're headed. I'm an optimist. I think this is the greatest opportunity to shift the things that needed to be changed anyway, but leaders were fearful to do that. And I think it's going to open the way for greater gospel impact. So just in that terms, as we land the plane here, where do you, when you think about the church in the next five years, what qualities for a pastor? So that leader who's watching right now, based on research and and you're preaching all over the country and you're having these dialogues with different state conventions. What are some different qualities of a pastor or leader that they need to develop to be successful? Man, I cannot stress this enough. As, as churches come to me with search committees looking for pastors, you know, the question is, what kind of pastor should we be looking for? To me, obviously, you got to have a capable communicator. But how is he interfacing personally with unchurched people, with non-religious people? Like, I would want to ask that question of any pastor right now. How are, what stories are you telling from the pulpit of personal engagement with non, with unchurched people? Because unless that's happening, uh, church people are going to gravitate toward hanging out with church people. So if you're going to reach the community, the pastor has a heart, has to have a heart to reach individuals himself. And I would say that's the easiest thing to leave off the to-do list every week. And I, I have to challenge myself to do it is just to continue to pray. Who am I personally reaching for Christ? But also, I think pastors have to lead with this fierce optimism that you speak of. You know, when Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we should put on the shield of faith, which will allow us to deflect the flaming arrows from the enemy, the shield of faith is a firm commitment to stay positive. I'm not going to imagine catastrophe. I'm going to imagine opportunities. And I'm not going to be the guy that stands up there and woe is me and gloom and doom. I'm going to lead with a positive spirit because God's in control. He's going to use this for good. And we're not going to let it get us down. People do feed off the mood of the pastor. And so I, I would confess there were some months where I was walking into meetings and people knew I was down. Those weren't my best moments. <laughs> so I've, I've tried to anytime someone gets negative, Nancy, with me, man, I've tried to spin it to opportunity. Yeah. And it, but it's hard. Because people do want to complain. Yeah, I think the, the most important emotion that we can portray right now, bar none in every relationship, is hope. Yes. People need hope. They need to walk in that. And, and if we as an organization, as Lifeway, as the convention, uh, or even the local church, are the beacon of hope for everyone that's around us, that's attractive. I think that hope and unity, those yeah. two things are the two most attractive things for for the non-believers and unchurched or de-churched in those communities are looking for. Absolutely. And learning, learning communities are a place where pastors come together. We have this in, um, in, in Georgia, we have about 40, 40 of these groups all across the state, Ben, and each one has five or 10 guys in it and they get together once a month and they get to share the things that we're not talking about sharing in that leader role. Sometimes we don't always get, we want to be real with our people, but sometimes I need to be able to have a place where I can be transparent and honest and have a down day and it not um, shape the organization. And so learning communities are a really safe place to do that. And you can, you know, write something in the the comments, we'll get you connected to one of those. But I mean, it it, it really is important to lead and and the congregation does take on, I've worked at several churches now and really that, that lead guy, the, the, the mood and the tone that they set it at dictated how we did discipleship, how we did evangelism, how we went on missions. And, um, 
and um, and it's exciting when when he sold out for that. So having a safe place to to do the opposite sometimes is important too. Absolutely, you know I know that we've got a lot of folks who lead ministries listening in, and I think one of the things I would challenge us all to think about is you know if the Lord said to you, you got one year to live, get your house in order, mm-hmm. get that ministry ready for the next person, what changes would you make? You know, you got one year to get it ready. You're going to hand it off to somebody you trust, but man, you've got to do the hard work to get it ready for the next guy. I think we have an, a window here post COVID to, to use this opportunity to say, guys, we've got to do it different. So here are the changes we're going to bring to move us into the future. Uh, I think 18 months, 24 months from now, that's going to be harder than it is right now when people realize that we've got to do some things differently because the world's changed. So I'd encourage anybody listening in, just be bold, be courageous, be strong, and know the Lord's with you as you lead your church and your ministry into the future. Wow, really good. Ben Mandrell, thank you for leading well. Thank you for uh, helping your organization, helping us to think beyond borders and, and, and not being fearful in that. I love the D.L. Moody quote when he wrote, our greatest fear should not be failure, but in succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Mm. I love that quote because that's yeah. who we are as organizations. We yes. have got to risk the farm yeah, to get our people in a put us in a position for great gospel impact. Because we don't know about this, and I think the day is drawing close when the Lord's coming back. So thank you for leading well at Lifeway. PJ Dunn, thank you for jumping on again with us, being a great resource. What I consider probably the nation's um, foremost authority in singles ministry and in that area of discipleship. And friends, thank you for joining, engaging with us. And again, if you will, leave a comment. Let us know where you're watching from. You'll get entered into a resource bag that we would love to send to one of you. And as we always say, thank you for viewing. And our prayer is that you will go and launch World Impacting Disciple Makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship the number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers.